When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool Zone Media. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that we are recording for the first time. All of the audio worked perfectly. Uh, it was great. Uh, yeah, we the, 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 the society that has put multiple human beings on the moon did successfully produce functioning audio software. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah, and with me to uh, celebrate this is Carl Eugene Stroud. He's a language teacher and anarchist militant. And... Reed Angles, who's a bus driver and an anarchist member of the Center for Specifismo Studies. Yeah, both of you, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us for this wonderful celebration of audio recording technology. <laughs> it's all great. It's all wonderful. Uh, speaking of things that are wonderful, this is this is this is why they pay me the. Uh, am, am, I, am, I, am I legally allowed to say that it's uh, below market rate? So why they pay me the slightly below market rate bucks? Yeah, so speaking of wonderful, we are here to talk about a, I guess, putting things back together project, which is Militant Kindergarten. And I guess I guess we should start with talking about what Militant Kindergarten is and what it isn't in terms of like, it's not we're teaching, uh, <laughs> we're teaching small children how to take apart buildings. Yeah, so um, Militant Kindergarten is a multi-month study of a text and uh in that way you know we call it a seminar but it's not that much different than a reading group or a study circle or any of those kinds of things uh essentially what we're doing is we're using one text to uh revisit and have conversations with different people um that are at various you know points in the path of radicalization uh we're you know distinctly trying to spread the word about the importance and necessity of militancy in our movements, but also uh, teach people about a specifismo, which is an anarchist current that comes out of Latin America. But it's also like, um, you know, in, in the socialist movement 
anarchists can often be characterized by stereotypes that come from Marxists and that in the libertarian and anarchist movement, any kind of um, mass uh, anarchism, any kind of class struggle anarchism can also be characterized by, you know, individualists and uh, insurrectionists. And so we mean to, you know, not convert people to a certain current of anarchism. We see this as a kind of grouping of tendency. So all the participants come from different ideologies. Uh, This is just a reading group. So you've got to apply this stuff, you know, outside of this, this isn't some kind of be all end all solution. We're not, uh, you know, educationalists thinking that this is going to, uh, be the first step in some like process that we're just already on. But at the same time, we think that educational space needs to be defended. Uh, That's why this is the third militant kindergarten. So um, yeah, maybe I'll let Reed talk about some of the ones and how how we've gotten here. um, And yeah, kindergarten up to now. Yeah, sure. I think that's a good explanation. The the group basically started off in the wonderful, amazing, complicated year 2020 um, <laughs> in in the wake of the uprising over the summer both of us live in a relatively small town with maybe an outsized hundreds above its weight in terms of like activism and anarchism there's there's probably more anarchist tendencies here than there are anarchists um, <laughs> and something that we saw in the wake of the, the height of the uprisings was one, a huge amount of burnout that people weren't really addressing. The solution to burnout that we saw being proposed was just do it again more, harder. And we also saw a the burnout as kind of coming from a lack of strategy and organization on the ground. People sort of repeating tactics because that's what you do. And that's what we were doing. So we're just going to try to keep doing it. And both of us were unable to participate in the the more uh, aggressive street actions that were going on at the time. So we decided we we individually needed to study and get better at our understanding of strategy and organization and try to rethink like some of the problems that had occurred and how to move on from there. And also to provide a space for people who are more active in different places, the chance to meet together and reflect in a non, um, non urgent space where you could just like pause and learn and discuss a topic. So we were, yeah, we, we hit upon, we were both kind of simultaneously interested in the specifismal current from Latin America. So we both just kind of decided, yeah, we want to read some of these texts. And we quickly came upon social anarchism and organization. And we thought like, wow, this is a really comprehensive introduction, not only to this tendency, but also to anarchism and social anarchism broadly. Like it really covers just the basic anarchist principles and theory up to history and organizational theory, strategy, tactics, ideology in a much uh, higher, more sophisticated and like, I guess, like modernized way than many other previous uh, documents we'd read. It's like if you took the platform, you know, the Machnavist platform. Uh, we should explain what that is because oh, yeah. a lot of people are not going to. 
Yeah. Okay. Going back. So it's it's the organizational platform of the Anarchist Federation of Rio de Janeiro, which is basically their foundational document. And it's a very comprehensive look at the kind of theory and strategy and work that goes behind goes on behind founding an organization like that. It's similar to the anarchist platform written by the ex the Machnovists in exile in Paris, the, the Ukrainian anarchists in exile after the uh the the revolution in Russia. They wrote this platform saying anarchists should maybe be somewhat organized and unified in their tactics and their strategies and received a whole bunch of pushback from it, but founded the sort of the platformist current of anarchism. But really, when you go back to the platform, there's not a ton there. It's more of a document for organizing a, like a military force in a already ongoing revolution. Whereas what we found in social anarchism and organization is it's a much more broad kind of introduction to social anarchist organization that is more widely applicable to a variety of situations. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so we've covered Especifismo on here with Andrew once. I think we've talked about it a little bit in some other episodes, but yeah, do we want to get into what what about Especifismo is sort of different from older kinds of like well, just like other anarchist tendencies and other sort of kinds of platformism and talk a little bit about how it sort of came about because it's it's one of the tendencies, I guess, that some people adopted in the US, but I don't I don't think it's as famous as a lot of other tendencies here. Yes, so you know, a lot of the the motivation behind organizing the Center for Specifismo studies uh, this came after after us studying this text a few times locally. We decided to formalize this into militant kindergarten, and a lot of that came from the need to articulate uh, what is a specifismo uh, in English, because a lot of the resources, a lot of the ideas and writings come from uh, Latin America, and so they're uh, written in Spanish. A lot of the theory has been developed in Spanish. Uh, Especifismo originally comes from the Anarchist Federation of Uruguay. Um, in the 1960s, they began to articulate a kind of uh, organizational strategy that imagined what the way we've described it is uh, kind of two rails for a train. And this train is uh, bringing this revolutionary rupture. So these two rails uh, are the social level which includes all kinds of class struggle. Uh, this is class struggle against domination, exploitation, and oppression. And that the other rail is the political organization. And so this is um, the anarchist principles and ideologies that, um, yeah, I think we share probably pretty broadly with most all anarchist currents, at least, uh, you know, coming out of the socialist movement. But when it comes to... Um, the way to balance these and to keep them um, both working in, toward the same ends, we see a need to keep them theoretically distinct. 
And so a lot of what we've done at the Center for Especifismo Studies is try to articulate these ideas in English so that we can start to develop what that means here and not just sort of translate or uh, take a translation and sort of try to input an idea uh, into our own context. So uh, like you said, like, I think that some of the, um, we could, we could take, for example, the Black Rose Rosa Negra Anarchist Federation in uh, the U.S., that's the largest organization of specifist anarchists in North America. They uh, are distinctly influenced by this current. They have sister organizations in Latin America. And, um, but but uh, they're, they're just one kind of uh, organization that's, that's kind of known on a national level. And as far as planting its, you know, uh, ideas in North America, we're definitely still doing that work. So a lot of what we've done is also develop second hand, uh, secondary resources. This includes like audio versions of this text, but also like uh, things we've produced through our study and through these uh, discussions that come out of kindergarten. So last year, for example, we made a, uh, a mini zine. There was like a, a kind of working group that worked on a mini zine to define some basic uh, terms and make something really, really, really basic and introductory to a specifismo. We also, um, I, I've written a few pamphlets, one of which is how do you say a specifismo in English? And so that is, yeah, exactly trying to address this, this idea. And, um, you know, some people, they, they hear a specifismo and they're like, oh, that's, you know, exotic and cool and like new and, that's a reason to be attracted to it. But then, you know, other people might hear that and they have kind of uh, other reactions where they sort of try to put it into a really specific box. I mean, what, what our understanding is, is that um, it's important to be able to acknowledge what current you're kind of plugging into, where your ideas are coming from. It takes a lot of pressure off of us to not feel like we're inventing everything. And we're supposed to be coming up with like the most perfect, cool ideas. But it's also a, a humbling experience of like, yeah, we know about this because other people have done this militancy before us to make these things available for us to have preserved these ideas. That's the political level of the two rails. Right. So that's that is preserving this so that it is possible to say I have this opinion about a specifismo and it relates to my context in this way or likewise that it doesn't, you know, if we don't have anyone doing that militancy to preserve those ideas, then it's actually not even up to people to be able to pick them up and use them the way that they see fit. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 
16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the sort of barriers is, I think, kind of what you're alluding to of, like, Specifismo as a tendency in the U.S. is that it wasn't like it wasn't really it wasn't developed in the American context, and that has different sort of you know that that has that 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 has sort of like a range of different effects. Um, and what one of the things that I I think is very interesting about it that I think is definitely a product of the context that it was developed in is the strategy of social insertion. Um, yeah, and I was wondering if you could talk a bit about social insertion and how you see that working in the U.S. and how sort of like how how do, how do we think about this sort of in the wake of 2020 and the kind of restructuring of what is what is sort of happening inside of social movements in the U.S. Yeah, I think the the 2020 lesson is very important for thinking about social insertion. For anyone who doesn't know, it's just the practice of anarchists who are organized in the same organization, being present in social movements within them, supporting them, trying to help them achieve their own goals rather than take them over or something like you would see in maybe a entryism from Trotskyists or something. Um, but yeah, I think one of the major problems that we ran into when we started reading this stuff is like social insertion requires there to even be social movements. Yeah, and and that, that was an issue in the U.S. for a long time because we didn't really have social movements in the way that like Latin America does. Right, or when, when we do, they're like extremely spontaneous or kind of chaotic, or they're also, they're, they could be extremely co-opted or managed by a political party, Democrats, some socialist group, Republicans, whoever. And so 
that's kind of one of our major sort of projects of theoretical translation into North America. You can't just plug this into North America and say, okay, we're going to go join X social movement to achieve these goals and obtain this amount of influence there. Um, and some, we really have to start. I think what is useful about that problem is that it forces us to start really trying to theorize what actually is happening here, what social movement actually is there. And th that, that leads us to start thinking about things more literally like movement. What does it mean to be moving? What is the role of anarchists in movement? So we can think of an idea that we've developed is the idea of anarchists who are organized as anarchists. The role of them in in movement is to actually literally be moving between different kinds of spaces, different movements, and starting through their movement to generate a kind of flow and of of people and of ideas and energy and momentum, acting as a small motor within a big um, a big system, if you will, not driving it but getting things going. And so I think that's kind of more the level that we're at here in the U.S. is we still need to just theorize what is out there and how can we help it? How can we plug into it? How can we start getting things moving in a direction that is actually going to meet the needs of these movements or these movements that aren't yet articulated well? You know, you see this with like the rise of tenant unions and tenant organizing still in a very like nascent stage, but people are seeing that need and they're starting to get that moving from a variety of socialist tendencies. And I think, yeah, the idea is important in this context because we have to, we have to be finding these spaces. We have to be moving to them and we have to be returning to our own spaces to be able to actually understand what we're encountering out there and figure out how to adjust course or um, move to something else or adapt to a new situation. Yeah. Like maybe, uh, similar to Reed said there, this idea that, um, the politics need to be moving, that anarchism needs to be a movement and that in that way, like we can't allow our ideas to be stuck in certain, you know, just stations or organizations or, um, spaces that are friendly or that we're really familiar with. We need to be able to uh, engage those ideas in the relevant spaces where we do live. That looks really different in different parts across the U.S. and North America. So the idea that, you know, we would be able to just simply take one thing and apply it uh, across the board would also like... Uh, yeah, be really limited here. And so I think a lot of what we're, we're what, a lot of what we've seen in terms of the utility of a specifismo as a, as an influential current in the politics, uh, in leftist politics in North America is this uh, theoretical aspect and how we can see both, like we learn more about social movements, more about the necessity of them being popular, more about popular power, and at the same time, as in, in doing that, that shows us more about what is political unity, what is, uh, um, you know, unity of strategy, what is unity of theory, what is uh, unity of um, commitment. 
And that those things we want to, as we keep learning about them individually, that goes back to this train idea of there being two rails, is we need them to be on independent cycles. You know, we know that that social movements don't last forever, that mobilizations and, uh, you know, um, insurrections will fade away, that there are ebbs and flows of the engagement. And that when we're talking about a massive popular level, we should expect that even more, right? Plenty of people will only, even if they're engaging militantly, only be engaging militantly with social movements, not with political ideas, not with political organization. And so the idea that that something needs to endure, someone even needs to be able to tell the story from the last time that things got spicy so that we understand even what happened without even necessarily having the, the uh, critique or the analysis, even just simply the retelling is something that is grossly missing from our, our struggles in North America. And so that's where we see like there being a complete absence of, of political organizing, and especially when we think about being on an entirely different cycle. So that kind of goes back to kindergarten being an annual thing, and, you know, where we live, like in the winter, there's not a lot you can do. And so it kind of made sense to develop a seasonal pattern of this, right? Where like exactly as things are dying down, it's it's kind of like, well, the people who do still have capacity, the people who are still attempting to be active, how can we keep that little bit of movement moving and going? Uh, the idea of the, the the metaphor of a small engine, a small motor is often used in especifismo and that that's that's what the political level is trying to be is a small motor just assisting in something larger that's happening but it needs to be connected to something larger that's happening yeah and i think a key part of this for us that we've found is that in our context there exists sort of these two levels to some extent there are political organizations and there are social movements but what is often missing, like we were struggling with this, trying to find the way into one or the other. And what we discovered is that like this kind of educational tendency of really open, really educational, really discussion-based learning kind of starts to generate that that movement between the two. Like by having this space open to uh, beginners and experts, so to speak, you're able to actually get more movement open between the two. So it opens up political organizations, people who have not participated in that before, or don't have a way into it. And it open, opens up social movement to people who may be politicized, but are not organized in some sort of social movement. And it starts to mix everything together in this learning space where we can build trust as a learning community and assist each other in connecting these kind of two necessary levels of organization. I've been thinking a lot about how you were talking about how we we don't have any kind of organizational continuity between movements and the kind of disorganization and the loss of just memory that happens with that. And I think it's one of these weird things because you can find people who've been in like all of these movements, but it, it, if, if you're relying on just 
you know, okay, well, you you can you can get the story of what really happened in Occupy Oakland if you know exactly like the right four people, and you can't like you can't say their names because like <laughs> like you know, I, and I mean, and this this has always sort of been a problem with parts of social movements because I mean, there's stuff that necessarily has to be clandestine, like you know, and there, there's reasons for operational security, but it also just means the stuff gets lost. And yeah, I th- I think having having a like having a thing that goes as a way to transmit got thing that goes wow incredibly technical language you know but having having an organization that can act as a bridge between these sort of moments and also is able to sort of you know allow, allow people spaces for discussion for reflection for learning that's also sort of a bridge between like a like i don't know i guess a like capital p political organization and the social stuff is a, it's a it's a is a really interesting idea and yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think, I think this is, I think this is a very cool project and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes out of it as the, the new session sort of approaches. Yeah. I think what you're just saying about like, how do you learn about what happened to Occupy Oakland without having to go through like three layers of signal traps or something to find the right person to learn from anonymously being as prefaced with allegedly this happened. Um, is is a real problem that we've we've thought about. Like I think a big thing for us that we've found is a role that we can play is that there is a need out there for there to be some sort of uh, we call it mask off anarchism. Like there needs to be a public facing, approachable space where you can actually just learn about stuff and. Yeah, there is definitely a need for operational security culture or for clandestine things, but that those things don't need to be everything. For those to even exist, you need levels that are more open to people. Otherwise, those things just become increasingly lost. They go down the memory hole, as they say, or the Latin American groups like to talk about anarchism becoming ghettoized further and further like separated from mainstream society and there's no ways in unless you like you know a guy and so that was something that was a problem we were encountering and something that like from our particular circumstances we felt like we could provide and maybe start modeling for people as a group you think also like you mentioned there like this idea of uh memory and um what what black rose has referred to in their program as muscle memory, like for our organizations, this idea that like, I mean, organizing seems so mysterious to us because we don't have this like kind of active, like uh, living memory of, of how to do that. It's not just a thing we do by second nature, or like without, without a um, really needing a lot of work. And so I think in, in that sense, like um, we could also think of there being two two kinds of struggles going on where like um, on the social level, the struggle is the class struggle and the antagonists are the dominant uh, people in society. It is the ruling class. It is the the status quo. It is the the capitalist system. But uh, on the on the political level, there's also struggle because it's not about everybody, you know, just being one uniform block. It is about that struggle, though, 
not being uh, trying to topple each other, but instead trying to develop and and create unity. Uh, it's not find unity. It's not uh, uh, look for the people you have the most consensus with, because that in itself is even really limiting. That we need to be able to form new agreement. We need to be able to find and struggle for that unity with people who aren't trying to just aim for a divisive end. That there needs to be an antagonist on the social level, but on the political level, the goal is is unity. It's not uh, it's not struggle for the sake of of taking down the opponent. And so, in that sense, like something else that we do in uh, in militant kindergarten and in the Center for Especifismo Studies is not just try to do a reading, but try to produce a reading, try to leave behind some kind of trace of our reading. That that's a, an important aspect of this. So all of our all of our sessions, we take thorough notes, and those notes are available to all the participants. People can go back through it later to uh, look at what was said if they missed a session, or if uh, they'd like to follow along with those as they as the conversation goes to help add uh, you know other aspects of support. Then what we do is we have a whole other team that goes through those notes afterward and produces a kind of internal journalistic uh, uh, write-up of what happened in that meeting. And so we will also be releasing those uh, uh, this year uh, as part of our like kind of monthly uh, publishing that we'll be doing. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for people who are interested in this, when is it happening and how do you get involved? Uh, It starts on January 13th and it runs till April 20th of next year, 2024. And we're going to be holding the sessions on Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. in Pacific time, U.S., which is not the greatest time for everybody, but it's where most of us are based, kind of on the edge of time here on the West Coast. And the best way to get involved is to just send us an email. We have the email, studies at gmail.com. And that's the way to sort of start the enrolling process. You just need to take the one step, send us an email, and we'll get you signed up and all the materials and Zoom link and all that stuff. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put the email in the description. Yeah, probably links to the uh, website too. I think on that note, unless you two have anything else, that you want to say or plug? Uh, no, I think that's it. Yeah, good breath. Uh, I would like to see people there. It's going to be an interesting year. I can I can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, we're more, yeah, like the the literal year, twenty twenty four. Who knows what's going to happen? And even kindergarten is going to be pretty interesting. We've had a lot more people contacting us than last year, so it's going to be a pretty big and diverse group. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what everybody is able to produce out of that that gathering and learning space. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe another thing just to say real quick is just that even if somebody doesn't feel like they could make that time, uh, it's still worth reaching out to us. Um, we, you know, will be developing other, other seminars and things in the future. And um, if you don't think that you'd be able to make it to all the sessions, like uh, don't worry about that either. Uh, that's part of why we do this every year is that we expect that, you know, working people without a lot of time uh, will need more than one year to, you know, get all this information. So we expect people to need to kind of be cobbling together a few sessions here and there for, for several times. And yeah, you're definitely welcome to do that and shouldn't feel as if it's like a kind of start and then you're stuck and afraid to start. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a sort of an endurance study group. So <laughs> just, yeah, we don't want anyone burning themselves out. Just do what you can start together and together. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's going to be a great program and yeah, excited, excited to see what comes out of it. And yeah, if you want, if you, if you want to get your theoretical stuff in before fighting season presumably starts again around the election, uh, yeah, now is the time. <laughs> it's going to be really chaotic in the, for the next, like, long time. So this is this we'll is your opportunity now. Yeah, we'll need some good ideas to arm ourselves with. 
to this, yeah. this one. It's going to be rough. Yep. And yeah, on that note, uh, this has been Naked Happen here. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Full Sun Media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, go, 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 go into the world and learn and then use that to uh, make the world less god awful. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.